Magic the Gathering is a difficult game, made even more so by the fact that you can talk to a longtime player and still walk away having no idea what they said. We're here to keep you up to date on Magic news and format changes just like your favorite FNM and boss would. Except you don't have to smile and nod when they talk about... Plowing your mom. I'm Kyle, a tournament grinder and general modern enthusiast. I'm Anthony, a tournament grinder, FNM and boss, and lover of standard in spite of how much it loves to hurt me. And, and we're, we're the, the Goblin, Goblin Trash Masters. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Goblin Trash Masters podcast. Uh, my name is Kyle, and I'm joined by my partner in crime, Anthony. Say hello to the, the folks at home. Goblin noise from arena sound. <laughs> Squee, he's back. Uh, <laughs> all right, uh, we're just going to get into it because the first topic we have to talk about, or just the main topic, really, uh, is an article by... Ash, a magic player, recently released a content article called How Bad Practice Can Make You Worse at Magic. And we wanted to briefly summarize the article because if you get a chance, definitely read the article. We'll have it linked in the show notes. It's a hell of a read. Uh, if you've been playing magic for a long time at a you know high competitive level, it's it's a must read, I feel. And we wanted to briefly summarize it or <laughs> not briefly but we're gonna we're gonna summarize it as briefly as we can because there's a lot of good stuff we want to talk about i can't do brief <laughs> no none of us can do brief for magic players but um we i'm pretty much just gonna be teeing anthony up with with uh, a lot of this stuff uh to discuss this is something he's very passionate about and i'll chime in here and there but the one thing we wanted to talk about the most we'll go over a few of the points but the main thing was thinking through your entire turn before taking a single game action, because mm. that's, I think that's one of the biggest things that can help people become better at magic where it's, it's not speed chess. You don't have to match your opponent's play. There is a time limit, but it's not a turn time limit. You can take a moment and think through very difficult turns. And I think that for, even for myself, that was a very, very big, you know, hurdle to get over where I'm, you know, trying to match my opponent's play pace where I'm just like, no, I'm not as fast a player. I need time to t like to go through my turns, think about what I'm doing. And especially if you're playing a very complicated deck there's no shame mm -hmm. in being like all right i have about six game actions to go through right now in a single turn i'm gonna figure out how i have to sequence them and even if it's just like hey do i play this land before combat after combat do i do i need to do this so yeah uh, honestly i'm just gonna let you go ham and go for it and <laughs> talk about it yeah i think it's like a level up moment right thinking mm -hmm. through your turn before you take it. And I know that a lot of the first instinct is going to be, oh, my pace of play will slow down. In my experience, doing this actually increases your pace of play overall because you think through it one time and then you take all the game actions. And if you're not doing that, you're stopping to think every so often. When I read this article, I immediately thought this is this is up there with Who's the Beatdown uh, by Mike Flores, like an absolute classic article very important and it's one of those things that i bookmarked and keep in a folder with the plan being whenever somebody is comes to me and says hey i want to take this seriously i want to get better at magic what what do you have for me 
where do I start? And I start with that folder. I say, here you go, read this. And this article, How Bad Practice Can Make You Worse at Magic, goes in there in my mind. And it's a very easy include. So Ash is just like a very, very good, well-known Nerd Rage Games series grinder. I believe last I checked, she was playing Yawgmoth in Modern, so a kindred spirit to you, Kyle. Oh, yes. And I think, and and in the uh, article, she also does mention playing Greasefang and Pioneer. And I feel like those are two decks where thinking through your entire turn before taking game actions is imperative to play those decks. Sequencing is the name of the game, especially with modern Yawgmoth. Most of the time when I'm tanking with Yawgmoth, I I am thinking about winning. And not just like, oh, how do I win? It's like, no, most of the time when you tank with that deck, it's like, what sequence of game actions do I take right now to just win on the spot? And you have to think through those turns. You can't just be like, oh yeah, I win, right? Like, no, you'll lose immediately. <laughs> <laughs> when did uh, when did Overgrown Tombs become the galaxy brain decks in every format i don't know and it's weird and <laughs> especially with yogmoth my mana base is so confusing and i'm a golgari deck like yeah. i get wrecked by blood moon horribly i don't <laughs> understand it i play black and green cards like that's it I, it's think. so it's so weird and you have to think about like, oh, do I get a forest here? Do I get an overgrown tomb? Do I play Urborg? Do I not play Urborg? Like, do do I have to worry about Blood Moon? Do I have to worry about all my mana dorks getting destroyed? Like, it's, it, you know, thinking through your, your turn in most decks is very, very important. But, you know, combo decks are just very, like, you know, say like Yawgmoth or even like Amulet Titan. You see a lot of Amulet Titan players really tank through their turn mainly because you have to or else it's just like, oh, well, I think I just losing the spot because i missequenced or I, I did this wrong or i did that wrong yeah exactly it makes a big difference so i want to just kind of start off by mm -hmm. giving like a really brief summary of the article and like you said i really want to do a deep dive into point one the thinking through your entire turn before you take a single game action and i specifically want to relate this to some experience i have from my degree in linguistic theory and that's specifically the Worf Hypothesis, usually known as the Sapir-Worf Hypothesis, and how it relates to magic, a, a Sapir-Worf Infiltrator, if you will, if you remember that, Worf Infiltrator. So the article itself starts off with describing a fairly negative experience in a recent event, and some of the less than mindful, let's say charitably, uh, practice sessions that led up to that event. Now, from like a writing perspective, I, I love that. I think they did a great job of mm -hmm. priming the reader about why should you care about practicing mindfully. Then they move on to the five main takeaways. And those are, number one, the one that's important to us. Think through your entire turn before taking a single game action. Two, actually watch your VODs that you generate from MTGO. That is a feature that just comes with the software and unlike most things on that software it works it just does what it's supposed to every time three is stop minimizing your mistakes for the sake of your ego and that's a that's a big one it's another topic that's one that if you let me i will i'll talk about all all day oh i i'll t i always talk about it as well you know mm -hmm. i 
it's something I think a lot of magic players have to get over like myself mm-hmm. included. And the moment you get over that, you open yourself up to learn more. And I'm not, and not, and that's not saying like you just like, okay, always listen to every like You can still have a back and forth, you know, conversation, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, they're like, Oh no, I was right. Like that's stupid. And you're just like, Oh yeah. no, you know, I understand where you're coming from. I chose this line because I thought it was better, you know, at, at the time. Yeah, getting it right is more important than having been right. And that's a a big distinction. Four is pay attention to what your opponents are doing. Do not mentally check out while your opponents are taking their turn. And five guides are tools. You need to use them sometimes and not use them other times. There's Mm -hmm. no sideboard guide that is so absolute that you should not be willing to change it up if you feel like it's the right play. And also you can have an opinion in, on it as well. You don't have to just treat it as like actual text. Yeah, it's not it's not gospel. So we really want to take a closer look at point one for this segment. They're all great. You should read the article. 100% read the article, yeah. Read it. But I feel like my unique insight into this, something that I can help with, is how this relates to the Wharf Hypothesis, also known as the Sapir Wharf Hypothesis, which really, really simply put states that language has a direct formative effect on thought. And that might sound a little woo-woo right now, but I I really believe that by the time we get through this, it will hopefully make a little bit more sense what I'm trying to say and how that is related. If we assume that language has an influential effect on thoughts, the way you describe something can impact how you feel about it. If anybody is multilingual, they'll usually report that their personality feels different when they're speaking different languages. There is a definite relationship between how you are vocalizing or in your head sub-vocalizing your thought process and how your thought process plays out. How does this relate to magic? This is a magic podcast. This is not an excuse for me to just rattle off a bunch of linguistic stuff, right? Well, this game doesn't just test your ability to put rectangles on the table in the right order. It's also testing your ability to clearly and accurately describe what you're doing to your opponent in a way that aligns with both the rules of the game as well as your game plan. I see a lot of the, in quotes, punts or misplays happen when the player has a line in their head that may be either concrete or ephemeral, and then when they have to talk through the play they're making, they either find a like a logical inconsistency in their line or something got lost in translation from the plan in their head to their mouths to communicate this to their opponents, right? Or even their hands to physically manipulate these game objects. I used a word that I think I need to explain a bit. Go for it. <laughs> I used, The word I used was ephemeral, and I'm using it pretty liberally here. <laughs> So to clarify, what I mean by that is I'm using ephemerality to describe thoughts that aren't defined in a concrete way. Ephemerality is just really hard to describe here since a podcast like we're doing is a linguistic medium. Mm -hmm. But maybe it'll help if you think of and remember a dream that you've had. Think about like the general plot of that dream. It progresses, things happen, there's a reaction, more things happen. Then I want you to think about if you tried to describe that dream to somebody else using your words, using language. It's tough, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like explaining a feeling you have to someone. Because dreams don't always follow logical consistencies. And sometimes when you're putting that dream into words, you can say like, oh, I didn't notice, but in my dream, I like 
opened the door to my bedroom and then I was in an amusement park and I didn't think anything of it. You don't want to find those logical incons you want to find those logical inconsistencies while you're playing magic early, right? Mm -hmm. before you start taking game actions and locking yourself into plays once you've played your land you're not gonna unplay your land you that's not how this game works so thinking through your entire turn before you take a single game action is important since you want to take a turn as a whole not a sequential series of game actions that may each be good in a vacuum i think you should actually just talk through these lines mm -hmm. don't just imagine them write out your own mental like play by play on what you're going to do if you're like a really visual person like me i just imagine a written list of actions i give myself i imagine like a written checklist on lined paper and i can see that in my head and those are the actions that i take and i go down that list in order the goal of doing this this way is to take your ephemeral understanding of how your turn will play out and you want to force it into the shape of concrete language if this sounds like extra work Remember that you're going to have to take those ephemeral thoughts and actually turn them into immutable game actions eventually. You're just changing where this work happens, right? You're going to, if you have a general thought of what your Tron turn is going to play out like, you're going to need to physically move cards around and say what you're doing to your opponent. So it's not like you never have to turn those thoughts into concrete actions and words. You're just, I'm just suggesting that you do it mentally before you take a single game action, right? Yeah. Or just have that internal dialogue with yourself and go through your turn. And like you said, with that list, you know, like if I do this, 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 and that, like that's magic. There's the stack. It's literally just stacking cards on each other. Sometimes you have to have that internal stack where like it's this, then this, then this, then that. And it helps so much. It's helped me become a better player. It's helped, I think, everyone become a better player because not everybody is lightning quick with everything <laughs> like that. I don't understand. I don't understand the intuitive players. Like I, I know either. there are intuitive players. Um, I don't. I don't understand how their brains work. I'm. I'm not an intuitive player. I want to have everything very specific. I usually do not go based on guts, uh, mm -hmm. things like that. I think that's tough. I think that when you do this, when you if you're in a practice session, vocalize it out loud. Anybody that's practiced magic with me will hear me just talk and talk and talk and go through the entire turn out loud. If I'm playing in something where I don't want to like hemorrhage information, I'll do that in my head. I'll but I will sub vocalize it. It will take the shape of language, right? Mm -hmm. I will be I'm front loading that work where I need to be able to get this into language eventually. I'm doing it in my head before I do anything else. Because once you take a game action, you can't usually take it back. Can't take it back. It's it's, yeah. it's there. Once cardboard has hit the table, there's no tasty backsies in, you know, competitive magic. It's like once you once you write that down, you, there's there's no erasable ink. <laughs> yep. I've played a lot of mono green in pioneer right mm -hmm. and i've noticed a few things with people that play mono green in that format because as we know mono green is a combo deck question mark it's a pain in my ass is what it is <laughs> <laughs> it looks it looks like a beat down right it looks like it should be a beat down deck but the beat downs are actually pretty off most of the that's time the, that's like the plan see-through f 
I see a lot of mono green players, especially ones that are new to pick up the deck or really haven't put in the work. They get knocked off track when somebody asks them to explain the loop that they're taking to them, right? Mm -hmm. What are you doing with this Pestilent Cauldron, Karn, Kiora thing? What's going on there? Which your opponent has every right to ask, which I feel like a lot of Magic players forget. It's not, I have a combo, I win. It's like, no, you got to show me, dude. <laughs> you got to demonstrate if it's a loop. And loops are important. Mm -hmm. KCI, Mono Green Devotion, Yogmoth. any of the Urza decks, Yogmoth. These are all loops. So being able to explicitly, in language, describe your loop is required in order to be able to go through it. You have to demonstrate mm -hmm. a loop. And usually you start by saying, I'm going to demonstrate a loop. And then you say the number of times you want to iterate that loop. Um, I've noticed something that the mono green pioneer players that find the most success with the deck are the best at describing their game actions. And I understand that sounds very duh. The player that's good at explaining the deck is good at playing the deck. Yeah. That's really insightful, Anthony. I mean, it, it kind of is because sometimes players pick up decks and they don't know how to explain it. And I think that there, there's definitely a link right between being able to explain the deck and being able to play the deck. And I go so far as to say that that link is almost definitely causal. Like one of those things causes the other. What's the cause? What's the effect? And I think with our goal being to get to proficiency, right? Because our goal is always just like, how do we make you better at this game? How do I get better? I'd argue that the idea about getting enough practice with a deck naturally making you good to the point where you can describe it well isn't super accurate. I genuinely think that we can take advantage of this Wharf Hypothesis and focus on describing our lines first, and then the gameplay will just fall into place. We want to get from point A, where we are, to point B, proficiency, as quickly and efficiently as possible. And I think the best route there doesn't involve picking up the cards with de with decks like this just yet. It involves being able to describe through what's going on, play some mental magic, but force it into actual language so that you can describe it to your opponents but more importantly, so you can describe it to yourself first. I think that the gameplay will follow from that. Oh, 100%. And it, it helps you with um, the fizzle rate. Because I feel like a lot of Ooh. people, yeah, especially with like combo decks or just decks that, you know, create a loop, whether it's infinite or it's like, I'm going to do this about, you know, I can do this like 10 to 15 times and that should be enough. Sometimes I I've seen it in real time. I've done it myself, whether it's somebody interacting with the loop or are you just going oh no i i kind of fizzle and i can't i can't continue to do this i, I miscalculated mm -hmm. you doing your homework and you sitting down like even with the cards or just have a list or just watching a gameplay video it's like hey here's the kci loop here's the you know urza thopter loop from back in the day you know here's yogmoth this is how the deck works and you'd be like, oh, I understand. Like you said, the gameplay will will follow because that was me playing Yogmoth. I'm like, okay, the deck's cool. I never really understood it. I know I just lose when this, 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 and that happens and I know where to interact. But mm -hmm. once I sat down, somebody explained it to me. I played it. I actually listened and learned how to explain it, explain that loop, explain how to get there. Like a light bulb went off in my head. I'm just like, oh, there it is. Like it was just, I was so happy because you just doing something as simple as explaining what you're doing can help you play so much better. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a, I think that's a really 
common misunderstanding. I think people think that if they just get enough reps in, mm -hmm. like your first instinct when you're trying to get better is you're like, I'm going to get so many reps in. I'm going to play this on Magic Online. I'm going to play this at every local weekly event that I can track down for this format. I'm going to get so many reps in. And you're practicing, but are you practicing mindfully? We're talking about perfect practice and how bad practice can make you bad at Magic, right? Can make you worse. So practicing mindfully, in my mind, means that we're starting with a solid foundation of an understanding of how something functions, right? Because just kind of taking game actions and hoping that you figure it out along the way isn't efficient. It's not mindful. And you're probably going to develop bad habits while you're doing it. And one thing that Ash specifically brought up in our article was that don't split your attention while you're practicing with like a YouTube video or a Twitter war because they make your practice worse. But something I want to point out about that is that both of those examples that were given are really, really harmful distractions because both of those occupy the language center of your brain. That needs to be at full strength to be able to sub-vocalize, talking it through in your head, or vocalize if you're just practicing your lines. You need 100% of your brain power there, especially while you're picking up the deck. Think about what game actions you're going to take. Think about them in words, actual words, not images or movements or outcomes. Think about your words sequentially. Once you have your mental list together, then start taking game actions. You want to front load that hard shift from an ephemeral thought process to a concrete linguistic one while the game actions are still happening in your head. Because while they're happening in your head, you can undo and start over. Once they're on the board, that's it. They happened. So... We were discussing how bad practice can make you worse and specifically relating it to one of my big passions, which is linguistics and specifically the Sapir-Whorf hypothesis. Uh, Kyle, how'd I do? Did this make sense or did this sound like the rantings of a madman? Oh, wait, well, it sounded like the rantings of a madman who has a point and I absolutely love that. That's my but favorite. That's how I, yeah, that's how I see you and I, <laughs> I love it. Like, it's great. But no, like it's, I think this is the best thing to talk about. Cause like, like you said with the, when you, there's a difference between, Hey, I'm bored. I'm going to go play magic online. I'm going to run through a league or some practice games. I'm going to go on arena and like do a draft or play standard or something like that, or play with some friends. And then there's, I'm going to go practice. When I go practice for an event, whether it's online or in person with friends, we're like, hey, we're practicing for this RCQ. We're practicing for this big tournament. We're practicing for, you know, a 1K. We're practicing for like hell, like a charity tournament or something that we want to, you know, do well in. When you practice, everyone is there. It's like, hey, I'm going to talk through my turn. How do you think about that? And it's like, well, you don't know what's in my hand, but when this board state, I won't do that. It's, we're both talking, my opponent and I, we're friends, we're practicing, but we're both talking like, hey, I want to do this. Like, mm -hmm. oh, you probably shouldn't do that. Do this, do instead and go from there it's not like a real game of magic but we're focused on this i'm not talking with a friend while i'm you know drawing my card i'm not listening to you know music or whatever else is going on when i'm practicing online i'm not watching a movie or you know chatting with people on discord or things like that i'm just i'm focused on this and one thing that's helped me, whether uh, I'm doing videos um, that I, I want to publish or, you know, when I eventually start streaming, just making videos or recording yourself playing and acting like you're doing a video for YouTube or, you know, do it streaming for like YouTube or Twitch or anything like that. And you're able to actually talk mm -hmm. through it. Not like, oh, I'll talk through my turns. Like, no, you you like, it's entertainment. You have to talk through your turns. You have an audience, things like that. If you kind of trick yourself into that, it's very, very helpful. That's the best thing you can do instead of just like, oh, I practice. I put like, 
you know, a, a movie on or like, you know, five hours of anime and I just watched, uh, I just played like, you know, a couple leagues and I didn't do really well. It's like, well, you're just playing. And, you know, when you talked about it, you know, whether it's madman ranting or not, <laughs> um, you talk about where it's magic takes up the linguistic side of your brain because you actually have to read cards. You have to pay attention. You mm-hmm. have to, you have to retain what's happening. You have to pay attention to what your opponent's doing as well as yourself. Like, I feel like we've talked a lot about you talking through your turns, you know, you thinking about what you do, you know, take game actions based on, you know, thoughts you had beforehand, but you also have to do that with your opponent. And I think when you play IRL events, when you're sitting in front of a human, I think you should do those same things for your opponent. But yeah, I don't, I don't think that was madman rambling. I think it was very, very insightful. Uh, I, I enjoy uh, just listening to you talk about, about this stuff, if I'm being completely honest. And, you know, it's, it's very helpful, not only for newer players who want to be competitive, but just for a bunch of old goats like us, just like, Hey, yeah, we've been doing this for, for a minute. We played a lot of high level magic. I mean, you even more so than myself and, we still learn you have to always be open to learn new things even if you're a professional like do you really think like all these hall of fame magic players just be like no i know everything wow sometimes they get blown out too you know no yeah yeah the the i thought i found it really helpful to talk about the stories to think about the stories that lsv and Paul Cheon would talk about their testing process um, <laughs> mm-hmm. where they would just buy like a pile of Subway sandwiches and would just jam games and just talk through them with each other the whole time. Like just go through the whole thing. And I, I feel like that's that's something that people need to realize makes a big difference in how well you are playing that deck. Yeah. And it doesn't even matter if it's like a combo deck, control deck, aggro, tempo. You have to be aware of what your deck does. Being aware that you might make mistakes, you might, you even might forget what your deck does or little interactions. And you talking with friends, talking through your turns with yourself when you play, whether it's practice or in an event, and you actually taking the time to get better and practice the right way. You know, it's the the whole like practice makes perfect thing. No, perfect practice makes perfect. Exactly. And, you know, you always want to strive for perfection. Yeah, absolutely. But the article is called Mm -hmm. How Bad Practice Can Make You Worse at Magic by Ash. We have a link to that in the show notes. I cannot recommend reading it enough. Basically, if you are looking to touch competitive play and your goal is to become better at magic, I can't recommend enough reading that. It'll take you five minutes uh, on the first read and you're going to want to read it again every time you want to kind of touch base with that and remind yourself of what mindset you should have when you're getting ready to practice. 100%. And, you know, even if you're an entrenched magic player, you'll have memories of certain situation Ash talks about and, you know, how you've learned or just, you know, you can read that and be like, you know what, it might be a moment where you're just like, okay, this is a, this is a, a me figuring it out moment. You know, it, you always gotta, you always gotta practice. You gotta practice the right way and always be willing to learn. Mm-hmm. Learning's fun. Magic's fun. You know, <laughs> we all want to get better. Yep. This segment's called Future Sight, where myself, Anthony, and Kyle will each pick a card that we expect to see increased competitive play. 
This can be a new printing, new to a format, or even just a new context, such as a recent release that makes an old card see an increase in play. We're each going to share what format we're talking about, and then we're going to give each other some hints about what the card is, like type, color, mana cost, stuff like that. And the other one's going to try and guess what the card is. So we are going to see how we do in regards to our magic knowledge, our format knowledge, and just our ability to play this fun little guessing game. Good luck, Kyle. Good luck, me. I'm definitely going to need it. All right. Would you like me to go first or would you like to see my brain implode when I try to guess the card that you're thinking of? I bet you you're going to guess mine pretty quickly. Um, so let's make it real good and anticlimactic and you can go first. How about that? Okay. Uh, so it's a new card. I, I, I might be cheating a little bit, but it's not really super new. Okay. Like, new-ish. New-ish is cool. It's new. It's new-ish, but it's it's something we we've talked about. It hasn't seen a lot of play. Uh, it's something that I'll be playing in the deck that I love a lot in modern. And some janky creature deck had it because of its type that five owed uh, a league, and it's just Ooh. it makes no sense. And it was in a deck, a tribal deck, with a planeswalker. That you don't have in paper. Ooh, ooh, okay. So, wait the 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 only like planeswalker card I think I don't own, like competitive planeswalker card I think I don't own in paper is Grist the Hunger Tide. <laughs> so there's a tribal deck with Grist the Hunger Tide in it. Is it insect tribal? Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> uh, so we're looking at a fairly recent. It's a creature card, right? Mm-hmm. A fairly recent creature card in green or black that we think is going to do well. And it's specifically going to... It's probably going to be an insect itself. Oh, no. Okay, I'm going to need to ask, is this card black? Nope. Okay. And does this card cost two mana or less? Less. Okay. So we've got a one drop non-green insect creature from a recent-ish set. Is it Haywire Might? Bingo! Oh, yes! <laughs> That's so, so cool. So, I've, I've been really high on this card. Yo, uh, and I, I've... <laughs> oh, yeah. And I'm playing a one-of in the main of Yawgmoth, and I just think it's better than um, oh Outland Liberator. The, the werewolf yeah. from Midnight Hunt. Because it just straight up exiles the problematic artifact and enchantments. It exiles Blood Moon. It exiles Cauldra Complete. It exiles Pithing Needle against Karn. That's not the best thing. But oh my god, it's so, so good. And the fact that it's one mana and it gains two life when it dies. That is super important in Yogma, mm -hmm. and I think in any kind of creature strategy, because your life is a resource. Every time you activate Yogmoth, when you don't have a Blood Artist type card on the battlefield, it, once you get past 10, you're just like, I'm playing with fire. Highway to the danger zone. Oh yeah, when you have incidental life gain like this, it's just super, super good. And the fact that it's colorless, it's it's just another creature you can get with Eldritch or Cord. 
Like I, I really like this mm-hmm. card. I'm very, very happy about it. And I, it's, I, I love this card. Yeah. And the fact that it was in an insect tribal deck that five owed, and that's the only place I've like found it basically. It's recently. so funny. And I'm just like, play it in good decks. Oh, it's fucking up. Just play it in good decks. Oh God. Yes, man. You, the only problem is like, you hate to do this against your mono green opponent. Oh, lo- no, I'd be playing that card in mono green. I'll bring that. Oh yeah, that too. I'll just be. I'm talking about all the other decks. What other decks? It's a one deck format. Leave me alone. Um, no. How dare you talk bad about my mid range card? Red black. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I actually like that. That card um, can it gives you a naturalize effect, kind of, um, in mm-hmm. mono green without having to go and get meteor golem or in now cityscape leveler. Another crazy. Yeah. <laughs> but also. And it's got like a secret mode Haywire Might does in Mono Green. And that secret mode is just minus your car and go get it, put it into play against the Mono White deck because they can't brave the elements through it. And it gains you some life too. So you can, it can help you survive like that one last turn before you do something crazy, right? Oh, yeah. yeah sweet. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I have got a card that has been popping up in a few different lists. It is an enchantment. It is green, and it is used to get around the increased play of Blood Moon. And it works that way because it gets to not care about time stamping or layers like Dryad of the Elysian Grove. Okay, this is throwing me off because it's not a blue card. I know, I know. I just really hate losing the Blood Moon, so like any anti-Blood Moon tech. And I think as Blood Moon gets more played, this is gets better. It was played plenty before. It was not an unplayable card. I just think its stock is going up right now with the increase in Blood Moon. All right. I assume it's some kind, and it's an enchantment itself. Mm-hmm. And it's an older card, correct? It has been reprinted four times, technically. Interesting. Has it recently been reprinted? I think the most recent reprinting was in Dominaria United Commander. But its most recent like printing that's not a commander deck was like Mystery Booster and Eternal Masters. Oh man, you picked a weird one. I think it, I think it's a good one, but if you need to, if you want to ask some more questions about maybe the set or the mana cost or stuff like that to help jog your memory, yeah, is it is it under two mana? Yes. Is it one mana? Yep. One mana enchantment that's green. Does it enchant a land? It sure do. Is was it played in Urion deck? Yes, it was. It was really good. Is it abundant growth? It is abundant growth. Abundant growth is oh, it. Oh, that's that's seeing play again without Urion? Without Urion, just because. Oh, man. You can just, your decks that play a lot of these fetch shock mana bases will just put abundant growth on one of their forests, and then they can yeah. just get through Blood Moon. Um, <laughs> I've been playing a bunch of creativity in Modern lately. And having access to abundant growth against these Blood Moon decks just to put on your Triome means that you have a bunch of red lands and then one of any color. So you can cast your Persist. You can cast your yep. your five mana Leyline Binding if you need to. 
which happens because that deck gets wrecked by blood yeah moon. the deck that has like, no non real hard gets wrecked by blood moon it's wild to think about it but i know right? it's so funny <laughs> but yeah that's a good guess that's a good guess uh, oh man uh it, i honestly completely forgot about that card mm-hmm. once urian got banned because i don't think i ever saw it again after that yeah it's great is is creativity the only deck that's playing it right now uh, so I recently just saw Mangu 5-0 a league with four abundant growths in his creativity sideboard. Yo, but uh, man, Mangu's been killing yeah. it with those videos. Like he's he's a he's a great follow. Like look at like go to his stream, his videos, and the way he says video, like he's an adorable Italian man. I just want to take home. Yeah, <laughs> follow him on Twitter too. You just get like the best food. Porn. Oh my god, yeah, it's ridiculous. Oh, I know, it's insane. <laughs> I love it, and you know me being half Italian myself, like it just reminds me of home. <laughs> oh, I know it, right? Well, that's pretty good. Not bad for our first roundabout with this uh, segment. We both, you know, we both yeah. were able to guess the cards. It's weird that we both picked one drops that were green or green have green activated abilities. adjacent yeah that's yeah. pretty funny but yeah i mean i i think uh you know now now that we now that we've started future site we gotta really really get some speculative cards just go real <laughs> deep dive into some weird sideboard tech to see if we both oh can. yeah <laughs> so that's the thing with future site literally with this segment anything's up for grabs as long as you can defend the idea that its stock is going up in some format and then the only i th- i have a card that i think is going to get better in legacy but just kidding i i just have no desire to talk about that format there's a bunch of commander cards in there what, what's happening i don't know yeah attractions are a thing in that format yeah it's weird i'll i'll stick to modern don't <laughs> stick to anything don't you put stickers on my magic cards i swear to god i'm just gonna print a thousand stickers and throw them at you now. <laughs> Mind Goblin. <laughs> Mind Goblin what? <laughs> Mind Goblin these nuts. No, oh, this is a family show. I've said it's fuck not. like 13 <laughs> times. <laughs> All right. Any closing thoughts for you or? Closing thoughts. Uh, I'm really excited for Nerd Rage Louisville. That's coming up for me. Yeah, I feel like a lot of y'all are going to that. Uh, that should be fun. You're not being. You're not able to go to that one, right? In a perfect world, I would love to. It's just I've I've been sick for the past week, and I might just save my strength for the Corbin RCQ. You know, if, if something changed, I would love to just go play some competitive magic. But I think I just want to play it safe for now. Yeah, I'm gonna try and bully you into it. Hey, hey, I'm totally fine with that. <laughs> I mean, honestly, you really don't, you really don't have to try that. <laughs> it's like magic tournaments either. Yeah, it's like when we bullied Jordan to play that team event with us. He's just like, yeah, sure. <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Well, wish me luck. I'm still going to harp on you and try and get you in that car going to Louisville. I'm only making a day trip, so pretty low mm, effort. Yeah, you might, you might twist my arm. If I'm feeling better, say like Tuesday or Wednesday, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. Nice. <laughs> Signing off from Lexington, I'm Kyle. I'm Anthony. And until next week, do us a favor. Stay trashy, my friends.